what is the outcome when innovation meets community engagement? Well, a collaborative spirit with local partnerships, youth groups, and schools can only ensure inclusivity and benefit. Hello, I'm Tej, and if you're a first-time listener, this is a podcast series that celebrates nonprofits and their amazing leaders. And today on Chizuba Talks, I have the pleasure of talking to Stuart Phelps. Stuart Phelps is the chair of Bagator. Uh, it is a registered charity in England and Wales. And Bagator is creating a community-driven space where positive change begins. Let's find out how. Welcome to the podcast, Stuart. Welcome. Nice to be Stuart, here. Stuart, uh, I'm not the leader. I just do as I'm told by everybody Uh else. Well, teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, So Stuart, tell us about Bagator and what does the name Bagator signify? Bagator is actually a rocky outcrop on the national park called Dartmoor, which is not far from us. And we got the name because many years ago when the charity first formed uh, they used to take kids from the area camping it was often their only summer holiday and they used to camp on a field uh, below Bagator and the kids loved it so much they used to keep saying when are we going back to Bagator when are we going and eventually the name just became the name of the charity Uh and we kept it because everybody we ever meet asks us what the name means and it gives us an opportunity. To explain, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's a lovely name and that's uh, got, you know, memories attached to it. So tell us, what does Bagator do? And, uh, you know, I think it was established in 1999, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And uh, so what, uh, how far have you come since? We've been on a very interesting journey, like a lot of small charities in the UK over the Mm -hmm. last few years. We started out doing essentially youth work, and then we added on a bit of community work around it, because if you're dealing with kids, you're inevitably working with the parents. And I should say, I'm sat in a place called Easton Mm -hmm. in Bristol. Bristol is a very wealthy city. Easton is a very poor part of it. Bristol. It's the area where people arrive when they first move into Bristol. Um, It's often full of people from the latest wave that's moved in. So right now we're quite a significant Pakistani population, but we're now seeing an increasing number of people from Somalia. And it's where people who come in from Afghanistan and so on. we're in the top 10% of deprivation in the UK. Mm-hmm. Like I said, very odd in a very wealthy mm-hmm. city. We kind of tried, bumped along, trying to run youth work in our own particular way, which was very much about kind of bottom up and doing what the kids needed to do. Um, and we're very successful in our own way, but we were operating out of a small building which was expensive to run and with the advent of covid and lockdown in the uk 
And at the end of that, we've had to take the decision not to work out of the building okay. anymore because that head and that kind of responsibility dragged very heavily. It meant that volunteers were being coming in. They wanted to do this, that or the other, but they were being asked to manage a building. They were being asked to put the door mm -hmm. back on. Mm -hmm. It's broken off. COVID was a perfect example of how we wanted to work. And that was not bringing small groups and organizations in and absorbing up. And so when we had to lock the, the whole of the UK down because of the COVID thing a couple of years back, we recognized that we were surrounded by people who were going to have problems feeding themselves. And at the same time, we had a kitchen and we had people who were, were using the kitchen to cook mm. food that markets and so on were finding hard to get rid of. And so we turned it over into kind of a food production line. We found freezers from all sorts of places. We had different teams coming in. We cooked round the clock almost we froze those meals they were distributed out different teams cooked their own food so if you wanted a curry you could have a curry if you wanted something from somalia you could have something from mm. somalia if you wanted bangers and mash, you could get bangers and mash and the whole thing actually worked remarkably well thanks to two women that we hardly kind of recognized at the beginning of the process but they became critical to us our cleaners because they came in after we'd finished between shifts mm. and they cleaned the from end to end. And so despite having hundreds of people passing through, nobody ever caught COVID. They were our godsend. Um, and so we came out of it sort of saying, okay, financially this doesn't work. What do we do? We're very good at hooking people up. We're very good at and helping them to develop their skills um, and so that's now what we're working on and what we're doing and it's why we're very keen to work with you guys because some of the skills that we have locally really only work when somebody challenges mm -hmm. and they so take me I'm 65 I'm an old white male and I sit in a community where I'm technically a minority because most of my neighbors are not old white men who have degrees and all the rest mm -hmm. of it. And I get my, I am most productive when I am working with a young Somali woman who's in her early twenties, who is going to challenge me on every possible aspect because she holds completely different views about a lot of things that I do, but we have to find a way to work together. Otherwise our community falls apart. And she can teach me things and I can teach her things. Um, and so reaching out to you guys is a way of saying, okay, you know people who've got skills, views, aspects that we don't have. Sure. And it will be really, really useful to bring them in. And we now live in a world where, you know, you and I can be in completely different places, completely different time frames. We can talk to each other by video as we're doing now, or... I can leave you a message on a chat board or something and you can pick it up when you get up and you can fire it back and we can kick it backwards and forwards. Sure. Um, and it, 
becomes very powerful when you slip in people who aren't used to doing that and they start to gain confidence and they start to say well i want to do this and, and so on and somebody says well, why don't you try that why don't you? and and it grows and if you see the look on an 11 12 year old kid's face when they realize that the person who's just come and asked them all about the little sensor that they've made mm. out of parts they've started to use um, and wants to know all about it and they go and they, they get really excited and they tell them all about sure, it and yes. when they leave they go in that and they say what's going to happen next well laura will be back probably in a couple of weeks time to ask you more oh that's fine um who's laura well laura's actually a system and professor of engineering at the local university what and she wants to know what i think hmm. And suddenly that kid's thinking about university and thinking about so sorry roundabout way but it's a game that we're playing we're trying to make things fun mm. but at the same time we're trying to challenge ourselves and our friends and our neighbors to think differently in a world which if we're not careful will pass us by mm -hmm. but if we climb on it people can leapfrog years of not doing things somebody who has perhaps spent their life raising their family suddenly discovers that they may be a muslim woman with uh, who wears a hijab maybe even wears a niqab but loves to do street art and suddenly you've got the image of this woman with the spray can in your mm -hmm. hand and once you can't once you got it you can't get rid of it and it turns into something and now we've got a group of women who are just like that mm. who started playing with us and they're now semi-professional and then the whole area is full of their murals and it's a very distinctive style and people go oh yeah i really like that piece of art i know all about them and and it's it's like yeah we can do this this is our streets right so those are the kind of things we do we're trying to bring technology into everything mm -hmm. because it's the technology mm -hmm. world. We're trying to get people to go as far as they possibly can, but recognizing that often people are doing two and three jobs just to keep the family income going. Um, and so I have to learn how to do things to keep our overheads mm -hmm. down and I pass the skill sets on and I pass that and I'm, I'm always looking at ways that what I've learned can be passed on and then other people can teach me mm -hmm. and they're getting used to kind of recognizing that they can actually say no you don't do it this way you do it another mm -hmm. way and, and, sorry I'm rambling no 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 uh, it's great to listen to uh, how it evolved and where you are going uh, obviously, there is a lot of thought that goes into the activities that you plan, right? Uh, you talk about, uh, I read this up on your website, the RADE, the RAIDS, Residents Against yes. uh, Dirty Energy. And uh, yeah, could you provide some information on that? You know, I, I read about the South Hava Network. It's a sensor network. Yes. yes. Uh, first off, we made the big you know the people that were involved in putting it together and i was one of them um 
we had to form an organization to fight an attempt to put a diesel power station next to a nurse. Ah, okay, okay. It would have been the equivalent of a hundred old London buses, not the new ones, oh, but the old uh -huh. ones, revving up outside a nursery school every time this power station turned on to generate power. It was about making money. It wasn't about mm. generating anything for the local community. And so we formed a group and we realised afterwards that we had forgotten to give it a name. And we were in the pub by then. And the lesson we learned was never name your organisation in the pub because you get stuck with it. <laughs> but it was incredibly successful in that people who had never done anything like that before in their lives defeated a large London investment company who were looking only to make money. They then went on to fight them at the planning appeal, which is the government kind of second guessing process uh, where their evidence was so good that they got the right to, to submit evidence directly and not through the local authority, which is almost unheard of. Mm -hmm. Argue for battery storage on the very same site so successfully that they've now we've now been given uh, a small sum of money from the companies that are running it saying thank you very much and we're using it to rethink how we heat a large public sector housing estate that was built in the 1960s big concrete tower blocks mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is one you know that's a whole kind of new thing that's kicking off and it's involving us in all sorts of interesting things like how do we say to people that live on the estate give us a couple of hours of your time we will pay you for it now what do you want to learn about sustainable energies in your career mm -hmm. in the future industry. we're backing it up with things like the south harbour network which is Urdu for Clean Air, and apologies if I pronounced it wrongly, deliberately named that, that way in a conversation with the Council of Mosques because what we wanted to do was to show to the rest of Bristol that the Asian population actually do care about air pollution, something that isn't always recognised. What we're doing is we're using cheap little sensors I referred to earlier that seven and ten year olds can put together far easier than I can because they're little tiny components that plug together with little bendy connectors and I bend them mm -hmm. the kids mm -hmm. in the seventies, blow them together and they break but that then reports on types of air pollution and we're now looking at traffic as well. They are part of bigger projects, so we don't have to invent the sensors ourselves. We've just use them. Okay. But we're now looking at ways of getting that and taking the data from that to inform computer classes that the older kids get involved in, get them involved in the science. That's where the universities start to get involved and interested because we use university students to help. We use their professors to kind of guide things. Mm. And we're building up and we're trying to get people interested in what's happening on their street. And so you put in a cheap sensor in there. We are talking about 100 quid tops. Mm. Often they're less than mm. that. Uh, people can see their results almost immediately. And we play those kind of games. And it's about getting that. And it's getting people starting to say, actually, hang on. 
you know so when you get an argument as we had recently about what happens on a small shopping street which is pretty typical shopping street mm. except that it's actually critical for us around here because a it is our local shopping street and without it we, we wouldn't have anything and b it's very important to parts of the asian community which is now beginning to move on from the area but still comes back both because the Gurdwaras are here, but also because that's where mum and dad still live. And so they're, they're in and out, and while they're there, they pick up the rice for the family and all the rest of it. Mm. There's this argument about pedestrianising this street. And some people said it should be pedestrianised, some people said it shouldn't. And unfortunately, it got into that sort of trench warfare where the people who were saying pedestrianise it were saying, it's dangerous, the cars go too fast. And the people who were saying, no, don't pedestrianise it, no, they're not. And it started to get to the point where the community was splitting and it was splitting on race and class lines and it started to get very, very unpleasant. We took one of the traffic counter sensors, banged it in, and turned it on and instantly everybody could see that nothing was doing more than 18 kilometers an hour about 13 miles an hour because the street's too narrow mm -hmm. the only thing that went faster was a police car and you could actually almost see it go down the street on the sensor it stopped the argument about things were going too fast but it also stopped the argument about things were going too slow because people could actually see it counted pedestrians, bicycles, cars, lorries. You could see the different patterns in real time. You could see the one vehicle going the wrong way, which was one of the supermarket's forklift trucks. And it's led people to start to talk about, okay, how do we actually improve the street? And it's brought people back together because there's real hard information. And the kids are the ones who know the information better than anybody else. Mm. So when mum mm. and dad start, no, no, go and have a look at that, have a look at the sensor. Um, and it's about bringing people back together again. And of course, the science kicks in and the conversations go. Uh, right, so we speak about, um, you know, the sensors, we speak about STEM, um, in you know, subjects, we speak about art. So these are, the, obviously projects that get people together you get uh, you know young kids uh, all fired up and you know interested in going and studying further uh, i'm sure you you mentioned some challenges here but is there any way that you have collaborations with uh, you know educational institutes or maybe other communities and that is helping mm -hmm. you further your purpose yeah we have found that we, we have two main universities in, in Bristol, and one has perhaps a more technical sort of qualification route. The other is, is more high research. And the more practically orientated one, although they probably wouldn't like me to call them that, run a lot of courses where the students have to do projects as part of their coursework. And so what we become very good at doing over the last few years is getting those projects on things that are important to us. So it might be architecture students that have to do a project in the community. And what we do is we get them to sit down with people in an area that want to make some changes. And 
the architecture students get a taste of real life and the local population get their ideas turned into proper architectural drawings with a full-blown academic report attached to it and footnotes which makes it 10 times easier to get people to pay attention to what they're saying. The students have to achieve a certain degree of um, competence because it's part of their course. Right. We get out of it this thing that is, a, it's not the answer, but it's a great place to start the conversation rather than having an argument about this, that or the other. You can start with, here are you know, the options you've got for redesigning this area. This is what it could look like. Um, here are the footnotes so that you can go back. And mm -hmm. we've managed to use it to attract small amounts of funding to make some changes. The other type of cooperation that we're getting, we're doing more and more of is with companies where they are trying to their staff to develop skills or whatever, and they want them to kind of work in a different scenario. So we will sit down with those staff and we'll say, look, we have a particular problem. Something that might be relevant to them, it might be marketing, it might be risk assessment, and by doing that, both the company benefits because their staff are getting exposure elsewhere and they're having to think through the same processes. We benefit because, take risk assessment, I've now got a state-of-the-art digital risk assessment process mm -hmm. that enables me to work with somebody on the other side of the world and do that, and I'll never meet this person. But at the same time, I can run through a form to know that the organization is safe and secure. What are the things we can, we can't do? Um, how do we manage those risks? And we can then give that to any of the groups that we're working with. Because it, you know, it's, hey, here you are, here's a package, it works run with it you now have a risk assessment process that covers everything from safeguarding young children right the way through to fraud avoidance and all the rest um, and it's as good as you're going to get because it's actually been worked out by a team of people who are running risk assessments for a large international company um, yeah so and it means that Back on the ground locally, people can start to develop their ideas through something we call the, the ideas, which is we're building this little process that says, if you have a bright idea, you drop it into this effectively a digital pool, mm -hmm. and who wants to can comment on it. But whoever dreamt up the idea in the first place never loses it. So it doesn't okay. become something I steal and claim for me if it's going to be successful. It will always be Fatima's bright idea on the Sunday afternoon. And she'll always have that kind of role in it. But all sorts of other people have chipped in on it and built on it. Mm -hmm. And we used that process when I talked about shutting the building down for dealing with kids and cooking during lockdown. We used mm -hmm. that process to work out how to take food from supermarkets, donations from other places, 
turn them into palatable meals, freeze them, drop them off at people, all on a shoestring, and all done with volunteers who were essentially just wanting to do something and didn't want to have to think it through. And we built and built and built processes that meant that at kind of shifting stuff around and then reacting to crises like, oh, the cooker blew up as it did right in the middle of this process. It did. And, <laughs> and sort of, okay, right, how do we get a new cooker in the middle of lockdown? <laughs> nobody can go anywhere. And it was really just about how do we reach people who've got the money to give us a new cooker? But right. not as easy as you think until we worked it through. So those are the kind of, and, and I keep to using words like games and so on, because we try and make very, very serious, scary things fun because people don't have enough time to laugh, particularly when things are going wrong. Um, and we try and get people to to draw their own boundaries. So I, I've referred to quite a bit working with Muslim women from South Asia, and I've learnt how to hold meetings in public spaces so that everybody is comfortable, nobody's having to deal with a guy from outside their family, uh, but at the same time we're talking. So we do it in cafes and we do it on street corners and we do it wherever it makes sense. Um, and it gets, you know, and, and we get to the point where we go beyond the kind of being very formal and we can laugh and joke and make fun of each other. And, you know, I, I have learned that there's an awful lot of people who I've got to be very careful with when my dogs are out because they have problems with dogs, which is fine, but they also have to accept that I have a dog. And so, you know, we do those kind of things, but also we we kind of keep it going and we try and just you know react to each other as best we can um, yeah i think uh, it's very important that people feel safe i feel it's very important that people think that they are contributing and collaborating and having fun in the process hmm. so and uh take it back to south harbour um you know we're using this and i'm learning an awful lot but more importantly other people are learning an awful lot about science from other cultures at other times so mm -hmm. there's a whole mm -hmm. raft of you know you, you you know the english mentality we think that nothing happened before the reformation and and the renaissance in italy and so you know there's a whole raft of hang on a minute you do realize you guys that if somebody in india hadn't invented the zero maths wouldn't work exactly <laughs> and that takes on a whole new conversation when you start talking to formal mathematicians and you get that recognition and the, suddenly kids are going, oh, you mean we invented it? Mm -hmm. right. we, we, we got the zero. Without the zero, nothing else works. And you, can, and, and you get kids who hate maths starting to do silly little things with maths that suddenly makes, and then they, they've got a reason to be proud of the fact that you know, without the zero, none of this would work. Right. It wasn't some guy in Rome or London or where Paris that invented the zero. It was actually, you know, somewhere mm -hmm. else. Yeah. And more importantly, that somewhere else is where I come from. Right. Well, I think uh, you're doing great work. Um, challenging, yes, uh, but I think uh, very, very productive. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, 
I think your collaborative spirit and um, efforts that you have taken for, you know, bringing about this change is definitely creating a positive impact. Thank you so much, Stuart, for talking to us. Thank you for working you. towards empowerment, inclusivity, and I, I really appreciate your hard work. Thank you. Thank you very much. You take care now. Bye. Thank you.